throughout this series, we've been looking at the template that Jesus gives us. The Son of God gives us, He teaches us how to pray in Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13. He says this, He says, Pray then like this. There's not a whole lot of times uh, when you get like b- this basic instructions, you know, from, from Jesus. Hey, just do it this way. If you're gonna, if you're gonna live your life, just live your life this way. How many guys have ever like tried to fix a car and you really don't know like what's happening with a car? But, you know, it, it seems like the, the solution would be really, really simple, but instead it's not. So it, what would be helpful if someone just said, Hey, look, just do it this way. Here's like steps one through five. Just do these things. And as you do them, it's going to be helpful to you. And so Jesus gives us these steps and he says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. We've taken every one of these kind of points, every one of these lines, and we've walked through these lines in this series. Our Father in heaven reminds us that that, that God, the powerful creator of the universe, is our Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven reminds us that God's uh, this is God's world that we're living in, and He has a will that He wants to accomplish in us and through us. And so we need to shape our lives to fit His will instead of trying to shape His will to fit our lives. When we live this way, we become a part of what God is doing. And last week, we looked at the line, give us this day our daily bread. This reminds us that God faithfully provides for our needs through daily bread. God's a good father. He loves his children. God loves you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be there for you. You don't need to be anxious or fearful that you won't have enough to fit you, to meet your needs because you can go to God and say, God, I need daily bread for today. I need, I need like just help today. I need sustenance today. I need, I need provision. And Matthew 6, verse 33, later in that chapter, Jesus says this, that when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. So whatever you have concern about, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're, you, you've got, you know, hey, I, I, I don't know if we're going to have enough. I'm anxious about it. Will this meeting come through right? Will, will, will this uh, bill come in? Will I be able to pay it? Or will I have enough money? Whatever you're worried about, God says that when we should seek his kingdom first, and when we do that, all the other things will be put into place. And this brings us to the next line of Jesus' prayer, which we're going to look at today. Matthew 6, verse 12. And it says this, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ernest Hemingway told a short story about uh, this father and this son, and they were in a Spanish village. And um, the father and the son had this big, massive argument, this big, massive blow up. And they they just I mean, they the son was a little bit older. He's a young, young adult. And this just big, massive thing. And, and they they the son just decided that he was going to leave. He decided that I, I, I don't want to be a part of this family anymore. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And the kid's name was Paco. And the father, the father just let him go. And he, the son left and he went to the city, the capital city of Madrid, massive city, massive city. And so what happened is, is a couple of days passed and the father's like, you know what? I need to make this right. I need to make this right. And so what he did was he, he, uh, he decided to go to Madrid and he started walking the street looking for his son, Paco. He looked at, down every street. He walked down every road and he, he just could not find his son. 
And so just out of desperation, he knew that he had to go back home. He had to go back to work. He had to get back home to, to his responsibilities there. Out of desperation, he takes out an ad in the Sunday paper. And the ad simply says this, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. And the dad just waited. He waited for the, the, the message to get out. He waited to see if his son maybe would see this ad, maybe some, somehow come across it. And he, he, he just decided that I'm just going to wait and, and just pray and hope this, 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 that my son meets me here this Tuesday morning. And so when Tuesday morning came, the father eagerly got ready. He was hoping and praying that his son would meet him. And at noon, he walked downstairs and out the front door of the hotel. And he was greeted by a crowd of almost 800 men all named Paco, hoping that their father was the run who took that ad out. We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. Forgiveness touches each and every one of us in different ways. Maybe you're here today and someone has done something to you or they've just been ugly or nasty to you and you're just carrying that inside of you. Maybe you're here today and you've done something nasty or ugly to someone else and you've been carrying the weight of that guilt and that shame inside of you. Either way, we all need forgiveness. Maybe you're like one of the 800 young men that showed up hoping for a clean slate. Or maybe you're like the father that's hoping and praying that you can reconcile with someone you're caring about. Jesus understands this need in us. He understands this. As we read through Hebrews chapter 4, Jesus was perfect. He was without sin. Jesus didn't need forgiveness. But yet when he's teaching us how to pray, he says our, he says our Father in heaven, but then he says forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He saw terrible failures on behalf of the people that followed him, the people that were closest to him. He also experienced betrayal firsthand, yet he still says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He's not talking about the, the need for him to need forgiveness. He's talking about you and me. When we fail, when we sin, when we mess up, when we betray God himself, how can we go to him and ask for forgiveness? He teaches us how to do this. Jesus calls our failures, he doesn't call it here sin. He doesn't say forgive us our sin. He doesn't say forgive us our mistakes. Forgive us of when I messed up. Forgive us when I made a boo-boo. He doesn't say that. He says forgive us our debts. Why does Jesus say forgive us our debts? Because sin puts people in wrong with God and only God can cancel out that offense and pardon it. When we do not pay for that uh, uh, offense, when that offense is just laying out there, it's a debt. We owe God that debt. Debt is a crazy thing. It's a crazy, crazy thing. And whenever you feel like someone owes you something, like you, you like really, really feel bad. I, I, I do websites. Um, and, and, and I, I was doing a website. This was probably 15 years ago. One of my friends, uh, lived in Austin, Texas at the time. And if you know anything about Austin, Texas, there's a really cool, like, singer-songwriter scene. And so he was telling me, he goes, hey, I have this friend who I met, and, um, and she's a singer-songwriter, and she's getting, and she's kicking her career off. And I was like, man, this is cool. So, like, I can be a part of, like, the ground level of this artist, like, launching her career. She's, will you do a website for us? I said, Absolutely. So I send her a contract, do all this stuff, and I do all this work. I think I spent, like, 60, 70 hours on building this website for this girl. And I, I get to the very, very end where I'm asking for payment for the project. And she disappears. Disappears. 
I've got hours and hours of work. And I mean, I'm a dad at this time, so I'm not, I don't like going to work and not getting paid for it. Like I want to actually like get paid for it. If I'm going to be away from my kids, I want to get paid for it. And I got hours of work invested in this. And we're, this girl's just ghosting us. And so like, I, I try to call her, I try to email her. I try, my friend tries to call her, my friend tries to email her and nothing, this girl is nothing. And I can tell you inside of me, the desire for justice. I mean, I was livid, I was livid. Have you ever been like that? Have you ever been like that? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where someone owed you something? Someone owed you something and justice requires that debt be paid. And, and we, we desire justice. We want to have everything made right. What Jesus calls our sins, Jesus calls the mistakes that we make not only to God, but to each other. He calls those debt and justice demands that debts be paid. Romans 6.23 tells us this, and we're going to be a lot in Romans 6, so if you want to just flip over to Romans 6, we'll be there the rest of the day today. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin, the cost of sin, if you want to get paid for sin, this is what it's going to cost you. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The sin, all the ways that you and I have betrayed God has to be dealt with in one or two ways. It's either going to be dealt with requiring death of us or or it's going to be dealt with by Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross for you and for me was God's plan to equally hold up both justice and mercy. When we're talking about forgiveness, what happens a lot of times is, is think that mercy is just going to make it to where this thing never happened. We're just going to brush it under the rug and we're just going to pretend it never happened. And if I show mercy to this, this person, if I show mercy to, to whoever it is, then what's going to happen is that, 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 that they are no longer going to have to pay. But what happens when we look at how God forgives us? When we look at how Jesus forgives us, we see that he took the shame. He took the guilt. He took the burden. He took the sin. He took the debt on himself. And so justice was satisfied. Our sin is not buried under the rug. Our sin is not swept away. Our sin, even though the, the Bible teaches that our sin is separated from us like the East is from the West, there still was a cost to be paid for that. And so when we hear sermons about mercy and justice and forgiving debts and forgiving other people, a lot of times what we think is, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be able to forgive like that because if I forgive them for what they did, then I'm losing the ability to see justice. That's not how God forgives us. That's not how God forgives us. God and say, you know what, I'm just going to suspend justice for a moment. He didn't do that. No, he said, Jesus, I want you to go to the earth. I want you to go to the world. I want you to die on the cross. I want you to pay the price. I want you to, to make sure that justice is served. And in that, now we can provide mercy for people who need it in our in their time of need. Through Jesus, we ask for forgiveness of our sins because the cost of that sin has been dealt with by his work. You don't have to pay for your sin again and again 
and again. God is not vindictive. God is not angry with you. Jesus dealt for the price of your sin on the cross. He is, is dealt with. It is done. So we can boldly approach the throne of grace. We can boldly approach Jesus and we can say, Jesus, can you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Please forgive me for this. And he will do it. And the thing is, is that it's already been done. You don't have to walk across hot coals. You don't have to crawl across the desert. You don't have to do any of these things. You don't have to pray a, a thousand different prayers. All you can say is, God, please forgive me. And he will do it because Jesus has already paid the price. He's the one roaming the street saying, son, all is forgiven. Come home. God is not asking more payment from you. God wants a relationship with you. Jesus qualifies this request for forgiveness. Jesus qualifies this request for forgiveness, though, in Matthew 6, verse 12. He says this, forgive us our debts. Then he says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts. God, forgive me. Forgive me of all that I've done wrong. Forgive me of all my mistakes. Forgive me of all my past. Forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me of all the times I betrayed you. God, forgive me for that. As we also have forgiven our debtors. We have no right, based on what Jesus is saying here, we have no right to seek forgiveness for our own sin if we are withholding forgiveness from other people. There's the old saying, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, if you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to anger, if you're holding on to that thing and you don't want to let that other person be forgiven, you don't want to give them forgiveness like you've received from Jesus, it's like drinking poison and expecting the person to die. You you may be like holding like every day this is coming up in your mind. I've been through things before where I've been betrayed in the past and it's almost like, I, I don't know if you've been through this, but it's almost like every day there's something that's coming to my mind. That, that, that betrayal is coming to my mind and it's living like right in the front of my mind. Every conversation makes me think about it. I'm laying in bed and doing that, thinking about it. I'm driving to work, like replaying conversations in my head of like, well, I should have said this. You know, if I said that, you guys, you guys never done that? Is that just me? I'm the only, everybody does that? Yeah. Everybody does that. Should have said this. I should have done. Well, if I'd have said this, man, boom, boom, that would have been the knockout blow. Like that's how we think, right? That's how we think unforgiveness though is is like drinking poison it's, it's like i'm i'm like living in this constant state of like fear and anger and doubt and just 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 all this stuff is inside of me while the other person the other person tends to move on the other person is gone they're 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 doing they're they're they, they've continued with their life they're doing all other things and and, and for us like we just have to deal with with forgiveness, we have to deal with just saying, God, I'm just going to trust you to handle this. If Jesus' death was powerful enough for all of our sins to be covered, then it's also powerful enough for all the sins against us to be covered. Romans 6 verse 10 says this, for the death, he died. He died to sin. And it says this, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus died once for all. When I maintain unforgiveness in my heart, I'm actually minimizing the redemptive work of God. 
God, I want you to forgive me, but don't forgive them. God, I want you, I believe your cross was enough for me, but it's not enough for what they did. It's not enough for how they are. It's enough for me, but it's not enough for them. We're minimizing the redemptive work of God when we operate in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is telling God, I don't trust you to handle the hurt that I have inside of me. God, I don't trust you to handle the hurt that I have inside of me. That's what happens when you hold unforgiveness in your heart. So what does forgiveness look like? Listen, we live in an evil world. We live in an evil world. We live in a world where people are betrayed. We live in a world where people are, are horrible things to, to people about other people. Abuse happens in our society at astonishing rates. And we're, again, we're not talking about someone simply not paying you for the, your website. I know that's like a really trivial analogy for some of the things that maybe people in this room right now have been through. Statistically, people in this room have probably been through. And so I'm not talking about sweeping things under the rug. Listen, pain is deep. There are real feelings against that person and those feelings are justified. Again, when we look at the cross and we see how God fulfills, uh, fulfilled uh, the justice of God when he, he saves us, we understand that justice will be dealt with. Justice will be dealt with. And so if you've been hurt, if you've been betrayed, if you've been looked over, if you've been cast aside, if you've been ignored, if you've, if you've gone through these things and you're carrying this unforgiveness in your heart, you need to understand that God's justice is still going to be satisfied. If they repent, it's, it was satisfied on the cross, but otherwise God will still take care of you. When you hear a message like this and you're carrying that kind of hurt and betrayal, the enemy wants you to think that all you, that you're going to lose justice in favor of mercy. But since God's justice was satisfied on the cross, we can trust that justice will always be satisfied when we forgive. When we forgive those who hurt us, it's not some lame response where we're brushing what happened under the rug. What they did, whatever happened, we're not pretending it wasn't there. Biblical forgiveness simply says this, God, I'm trusting you that your justice will be done. I'm not carrying it. I'm not going to carry it anymore. I'm not going to be the one that, that is going to require justice. I'm not going to be the one that's going to demand it. I'm not going to be the one that, that, that I have to see it. I have to see them fall. I have to see them humbled. I have to see them think, no, God, I'm just going to trust that your justice is going to be done. It's releasing the requirement for judgment and just giving it back to God. That is what biblical forgiveness is. And so when, when we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, forgive us our debts, Forgive me for what I've done wrong. God, I release inside of, I release all the things that I've done wrong to you. And I, I just ask you, I just humbly ask you, God, just to deal with those. And when we do that, we also say, and God, all the things that have happened to me, I'm going to humbly release those to you as well. He's keeping score. I can extend mercy knowing that God, God justice will always be satisfied. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors teaches us that forgiveness is never free. The debt must be paid. And this should cause us to live humbly because the grace that we receive through Jesus cost him his life. It was not free. It cost Jesus 
his life. In Romans 6, verse 1 through 4, it says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue sinning so that grace may abound? Am I to continue to live however I want to live because I know that Jesus will forgive me? That's the question that Paul is asking. Can I just keep, keep sinning, keep doing whatever I want to do, keep, keep lying, keep cheating, keep stealing, keep doing all the stuff that, that's happening? Should I just keep doing those things because grace is, so grace can be applied to my life over and over and over again? And Paul says this, by no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, while we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. I believe that there is newness of life that comes with following Jesus. We can all experience it. You may be carrying hurt from your childhood. You may have a father that ignored you. You may have a mother that mistreated you. You may have a spouse that walked out on you. You may have a child rebel against your love. Maybe you were fired from a job without cause. Maybe your best friend betrayed you. Whatever it is, we can have newness of life in Jesus. We can have a new life, a new start. In any case, the death of Jesus was enough to cover your sins and the sin that was done against you. You don't have to carry it anymore. There's newness of life. I'm going to wrap up today with this passage here in Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 38. The teaching that Jesus gave. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And he says this, but love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High God for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. I can lend grace to my enemies. I can give grace. I can give mercy to those who have hurt me. I can give the mercy to, to people that I don't like. I can give mercy to my enemies. I can forgive people for doing all kinds of things with me because I have been forgiven. Luke chapter 6, he, Jesus continues, verse 37. He says this, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For whatever measure you use, it will be measured back 
to you. Whatever measure you use in forgiveness, whatever measure you use in judgment, whatever measure you use in condemnation, whatever measure you use in favor and in goodness to other people, whatever measure you use will be given back to you. We want to see a a church that's not only having really healthy relationships with God. And so what happens is, is that we can have, uh, we can try to have a really healthy relationship with God, but when we have bitterness and doubt and just this, all this junk in our mind or in our body and we're holding stuff in our heart when we when we have this and we don't forgive other people that affects your relationship with God if it feels like the heavens are glass and you cannot pray and, and it doesn't get past the ceiling your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling I would first say ask God hey what is it that I'm carrying that I don't need to carry anymore what is it that I'm demanding justice for where I don't think your justice can can uh, solve it what is it that I'm carrying what is it that I need to lay down what is it that I need to forgive what is it that I I need to stop condemning and stop judging and stop stop backbiting and doing all these things. What is it that I need to do? Because once you do that, it's going to have effects on the health of your relationship with God, not just the health of your relationship with other people. Forgive and you will be forgiven in Luke 6, 37. The English word there for forgive is just forgive. But in the original language, that word means to release from chains, to release from chains. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, when you release other people from chains, when you do that, your chains will fall to the floor as well. When you release other people from chains, your chains will fall to the floor as well. What I want for you as your pastor I don't want you to have to hold on to things that you're not supposed to hold on to, that you're not meant to hold on to. I don't want you to feel like you have to carry the weight of judgment and justice when that's something that you never can, you never can be a part of. You never can win that fight. You, you may never see an apology. Never see it it, 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 become right. You may never see that person who did you wrong get dealt with. You may never see that, but that does not mean that God is still not in control of the situation. And so when we forgive, we're not just sweeping things under the rug. We're not just saying that I'm just going to pretend this never happened to me. When we forgive, we're just saying, God, I trust that your mercy and your judgment, your justice is going to just hold true through all of this. The earth lives for God's glory. There's going to be nothing that's when when all of this comes, when all this stops, when God's judgment happens at the end of at the end of time and and we're all there in heaven together and we're all worshiping God. The the Bible talks about how he is going to wipe away every tear and how justice is going to be final and it's going to be dealt with and evil is going to be dealt with. The Bible promises that. And so we as Christians, we can hold on to that. We can say, you know what, I might not see it now. But I'm going to trust God that justice is going to happen. I'm going to trust God that everything's going to be made right. I'm going to trust God that, that things are going to be right. I'm not going to be vindictive. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to God in love and humility and say, you know what? I've done a lot. I was forgiven of a lot. And so because I was forgiven of a lot, God, I'm going to give to you what wrong was happened to me. And because I can give to you what wrong was happened to me, now I'm not carrying it anymore. 
You don't carry your sin anymore, the guilt and the shame of your sin. You don't carry that anymore. Jesus took care of it on the cross. You also should not carry the weight of all the damage of all the stuff that's happened to you. You don't have to carry that anymore either. Jesus took care of that on the cross. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. 